0: This podcast is not legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.
1: Hello and welcome. Thanks everyone for joining today uh, to our latest uh, episode of Tax R- Records, the podcast produced by the Hall & Wilcox Tax Team. My name is Frank Hinoperus, and I'm a partner in the tax team. In today's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, uh, Special Counsel Jackie McGrath, who specialises in tax disputes and controversy. The topic for today is all about the Australian tax officer's uh, debt collection powers, including, importantly, uh, the uh, Director Penalty Notice Regime. So, Jackie, we uh, have uh, heard all about the um, the ATO SME uh, debt Bomb, as I've heard it described in the papers. And uh, the latest data suggests that uh, the ATO's uh, receivables um, stood at around $15 billion, with a B, uh, before COVID-19, but have uh, since risen quite dramatically. And um, current indications are that there may be around $40 billion of debt uh, that is collectible now. And that of that amount, 70% of it is owed uh, to the ATO by SMEs. So in light of that, and uh, in light of the ATO's recent announcement in May 2022, that it'll, we'll be looking to re-enliven firmer action relating to outstanding debts, it seems like a very good time to be talking about uh, tax debt recovery. But before we get into that, uh, Could you please tell us a little bit about what steps the ATO can take in terms of recovering tax debts?
0: Sure, thanks, Frank. So yeah, there there are a few strings in the ATO's bow, um, so to speak, in terms of recovering um, tax debts. But before I uh, go into those, um, it's probably important to just flag uh, perhaps a few unique aspects of uh, when we're talking about tax debts in particular and the first thing is that um, once an assessment issues it's deemed to be a debt due uh, immediately due and payable and what's significant about that is that as soon as the assessments raised by the ATO the ATO can sue upon it and now an assessment has a particular meaning as you know in the tax world um, and and it can sometimes be deemed to arise when you lodge your return or your BAS. Um, So the very act of lodging your BAS can be deemed an assessment. um, And so any amount payable on that BAS is a debt immediately payable. But the the other significant point is that um, if, for example, you've been um, the subject of a review or an audit um, that's resulted in the issuing of an amended assessment, um, and you say disagree with the findings, um, and you want to pursue your review rights, um, the debt still stands. and, and can be recovered by the ATO, regardless of whether you're sort of exploring those avenues. Um, so yeah, the, the point I really think is, is really that assessments can arise by lodgement of returns or um, disputes, uh, and in either case, their debt's immediately due and payable.
1: So Jackie, we, um, we talked about some of the avenues that the ATO has, and, and um, you mentioned that the ATO does have a number of, uh, of arrows in its quiver. Uh, Could you talk us through uh, what some of those arrows are?
0: Sure. So the most simplest is, um, you know, the the ATO can agree um, to a payment arrangement. So basically agree to accept an instalment payment plan over a reasonable period of time. Um, but I, I should really caveat that that while sometimes the ATO are open to this, um, taxpayers shouldn't assume that they'll be granted it. Um, the ATO will uh, consider a lot of things when they're, they're looking at that, the size of the debt, um, the compliance history of the taxpayer, so things like whether you've kept up with lodgements of your tax returns or your BASs, um, that sort of thing. Um, they'll also consider things like up, you know, whether you can make any upfront payments um, towards the debt. Um, you know, those sorts of things. Uh, if it's a, a corporate taxpayer, often they'll look at, you know, your financials, um, your forecast, your cash flow forecast to see whether you can meet the, the proposed payment plan. Um, so that's probably, um, you know, and, and the, I should say the ATO do often look at, as, as part of any payment plan, also uh, increasingly asking for security over property um, that the taxpayer might have. So whether that be real property or shares, those sorts of things. Um, But payment arrangements, as I mentioned, is just one option in terms of debt recovery. Um, The ATO have things like garnishes, director penalty notices, and then, of course, more formal court recovery, things like bankruptcies and wind-ups.
1: Excellent. Well, you and I both uh, have um, experience across that full spectrum of um, ATO uh, debt recovery uh, options, and I think out of all of those, maybe the one that... uh, possibly with the exception of court proceedings, that the one that, that scares people uh, the most would be uh, director penalty notices. So, Jackie, just picking up uh, on, on that final point about director penalty notices, uh, we've seen the ATO recently announce that they will be uh, increasing their activity uh, with, uh, in that particular um, space. Are you able, please, to share any uh, insights on what uh, directors should be thinking about in terms of mitigating uh, their risk uh, in the face of a director's penalty notice,
0: yeah, sure. I think um, the the most important thing is to to engage with the ATO. If if the company has a debt or is uh, behind in compliance, you need to be speaking with the ATO to manage this. It sounds really basic, but it's um, really really important. As I mentioned, there's a lot in the ATO's arsenal in terms of debt management, um, and they can take quite immediate than firm action um, where the effects of that action for example for a company situation they can be wound up in insolvency and and what can be done by a business at that point is actually quite narrow but as I mentioned if you can negotiate a payment arrangement then the ATO often agree to hold off taking that firmer action whilst that's in place and can be complied with So as I mentioned, um, you can negotiate a payment arrangement and and they'll agree to often um, hold off more firmer action whilst that's um, agreed and and complied with. Um, Now, it's obviously on a scale, um, right, and and a risk assessment's done by the ATO, but one of the factors on that scale is taxpayer behaviour. So whether you engage with them to try and sort it out. Um, now, I'm not saying that the ATO will agree to a payment arrangement in every uh, circumstances, but what I think would be a fair reflection is that um, it's going to be much harder for you, for you to obviate the risk of a director penalty notice if you are not taking active action and being, uh, you know, proactive with the ATO, not waiting for notices, reminder notices, um, follow-ups, that sort of thing um, for the company as well. So being really on the front foot um, with that. And just another really small thing, but an important thing um, for companies, uh, and obviously in terms of director penalty notices in particular, is making sure that um, your ASIC records are all up to date. So ensuring that the listing of the directors who are actively managing the business are on the record, um, and that's been kept up to date. People who have retired um, from the the business from the company, again updating that, updating the business address records, because of course, if um, your business is behind on compliance, the ATO often issue notices based on your ASIC records where you're recorded. So, um, and of course, businesses move on and change. uh, So you might never receive um, those notices and things like that. So just having that in place can often um, really assist.
1: Thanks, Jack, you know, I think there's you know, the two bottom line points of what you're saying is um, that it's never a good idea to stick your head in the sand and try and ignore these things and uh, the, the second is that um, it's important to keep up, uh, keep your, your information and your details um, up to date, and that's probably good advice, not only in the context of director penalty notices. So, Jackie, I think um, talked about director penalty notices and, and um, uh, what some of the implications might be. I, I think uh, one situation that um, arises um, all too often is that um, somebody might be a new director uh, to a company and, and have um, joined a, the board of a business or a company with a, a great deal of enthusiasm. But one of the sort of hidden nasties might be uh, the fact that they can become uh, sucked into a director penalty notice issue. So could you talk a little bit about the implications for a new director um, with respect to uh, the debts of the company uh, that they are becoming a director of?
0: Sure. So yeah, that that is a common question. Uh, so yes, unfortunately, directors do inherit um, the debts of the company. So you can be issued director penalty notices. Um, if the, the company has um, outstanding uh, uh, super guarantee um, pay-as-you-go withholding responsibilities and also as of um, about a, a year and a half ago, um, they've included GST debts as well um, that can be the subject of personal liability on, and subject to the director penalty notice regime. So even if you weren't a director at the time um, that those debts accrued, um, you, you, you do inherit those when you join. Um, There's some steps that can be taken, you you do need to do it really quickly, um, as in within 30 days of appointment. Um, And the first, if a director's joined and becomes aware of the tax debts, and I'm only talking here about in terms of obviating the risk of a director penalty notice, um, but the first thing that they can do is, um, uh, on behalf of the company, negotiate a, a payment arrangement Um, or pay the debt, of course, of the company. And that can be done within, if that can be done within 30 days, that's, um, that's a carve out from the director penalty notice regime. Um, there's also insolvency-related steps that they can take. So, again, it has to be done within 30 days of appointment. Um, the director can appoint an administrator um, or in the small business context, there's a concept under the corporation's law known as um, a restructuring practitioner. So if you do that um, or, you know, commence wind-up proceedings, of course, um, within the 30 days, um, again, it's, it's quite strict.
1: And, Jackie, what about the sort of opposite uh- end of the coin. What if you have somebody who was the director of a company uh, for a little while or a long while, and then they resign? Can they have any residual liabilities um, under a director's penalty notice for the tax liabilities of the company?
0: yeah so it, it doesn't mean that you'll escape personal liability um, for the for the tax debts even if you resign so you can still be subject to to a, a DPN for that. Um, if the tax debt arose during your time as a director, you can still be issued a DPN for them even after, um, you resign. And there's also a small carve out too um, just for completeness. Uh, technically you can be liable for debts that arise after you resigned um, for certain pays you go withholding and GST amounts or super guarantee um, for the reporting periods relating to a time when you were a director, but only become payable after you resign. So that just that small caveat there, but yes, you, um, you, you do remain on the hook, even after you resign.
1: Brilliant, the joys of being a director, eh? <laughs> um, so Jackie, we've talked about um, uh, director penalty notices and no doubt anybody listening probably has the, uh, the fear of God instilled in them uh, now. But um, so, if, if, if you are confronted uh, with a director's penalty notice, uh, are there any defences or practical steps that, that that need to be taken to try and um, obviate one's liability under one of those?
0: Sure. Um, so there there are defences if you do get issued with a, a DPN, um, but they're uh, to be fair um, fairly con- confined. Uh, so, for example. If the director can evidence that they didn't take part uh, in the management of the company during the relevant time, um, and common examples of this is is where you can evidence illness or or similar reason that you weren't part of the management. Um, Basically, when the ATO is satisfied that it's unreasonable to expect uh, that the person could have taken part in the management of the company, those are the ones that I've seen, and that that can be a defence. Um, obviously, also, um, if you can evidence taking reasonable steps upon your um, appointment that I mentioned earlier, so things like appointing an administrator or a restructuring um, practitioner um, to, you know, to uh, assist the company with their debt management. Excellent. But it is quite narrow and obviously dependent on, you know, needing some some reasonably cogent evidence to make good that defence.
1: Excellent. No, thanks, Jackie. And I, I think... Um, we, we continually tell uh, clients and uh, in the context of um, a number of matters that um, when it comes to these sort of uh, questions, especially where they're evidentiary questions, it, it matters not so much what you say, but it matters what you can prove and uh, and what sort of um, uh, documentary evidence that you can furnish to uh, to prove some of these things. And I think we all know, uh, especially in the context of a um, of an SME uh, type of business, that the um, the level of corporate record keeping may not necessarily be as robust as you might expect to see in a larger organization. So, Jackie, thanks so much. I think that's been a very informative uh, discussion um, today and uh, we very much appreciate your insight. I think um, perhaps a point to leave our audience with today is um, to uh, not stick their head in the sand and and confront these things, um, get uh, robust professional advice about their uh, about their options and the steps that can be taken, uh, or whether there might be some um, availability or a, a defence to be raised. And uh, finally, I think an important point that you have raised is. Um, to look to engage uh, with the, the ATO um, as soon as possible and as proactively as, as possible. And, and um, in, in that regard, especially your, uh, your compliance record and history uh, as a taxpayer um, may become a very important factor. So thank you again, Jackie, and uh, thank you to uh, our audience for listening in on this um, first Uh, in our current series of tax records. We hope that the information uh, we've provided today uh, and in all of our uh, podcasts is uh, useful. And of course, as always, uh, everybody is welcome to uh, make contact with one of our happy and friendly tax team members uh, to discuss any questions. All of our details can be uh, easily found on our website, www.hallandwilcox.com.au. Uh, Or uh, you can connect with us on uh, LinkedIn. And uh, if you've enjoyed uh, today's episode, and hopefully you have, uh, please rate, review and follow our podcasts on whatever medium it is that you use to listen to podcasts. Thank you again. And uh, of course, you can subscribe uh, on our website uh, to be notified of our upcoming episodes. Mm -hmm.